You're listening to Tarot Talk, and I'm your host, Holly Ramey. I'm going to serve you some practical magic and give you tips and tools to bring the mystical into your everyday life. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode number 40 of Tarot Talk. I'm your host, Holly Ramey, and today I'm super excited to sit down with Deborah Hennekamp. She is my mentor, and she is the owner and creator of Space by Mama Medicine. Uh, Deborah, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. It's so good to see you. <laughs> I'm so happy to be here. Um, can we just start by you telling the listeners a little bit about who you are and your business space and what you do there? Um, so you may know me as Mama Medicine. My name is actually Deborah, uh, and I have been doing healing work for the past 20 years. Um, my work is really focused on being your own healer. So it is the basic principles of accountability, responsibility, patience, presence, and perseverance that helps us to really look at ourselves and be honest with ourselves and true to ourselves. And then from that place, um, create balance and healing within ourselves. And it's my hope that each person who decides to become their own healer, they then inspire others to also be their own healers, basically. And um, the main way I do this work is through facilitating an offering called Medicine Readings, which is a one-on-one -on -one group and retreat experience where you come, we talk about what's going on in life, and then I read your aura and I tell you about what I see coming up that could be hidden talents and gifts or things to just kind of pay attention to based on what you were mentioning. And then we do a whole healing ceremony. Um, the healing ceremony is distance energy healing. It's sound. Um, and it's, it's sometimes like going on a little bit of a journey into your multidimensional self, whatever is needed. I never really like overly focus on what the ceremony will be. I just have a formula that I stick to with it and then allow what is meant to come through to come through. Um, and then at the end of the medicine reading, I'll give you homework and prescribe you a ritual bath, which I think is a very profound way to be your own healer. And so it works like that in the one-on-one -on -one experience, in a group experience or in a, in a retreat, it's very like extended and I get to get a little bit more into teaching and, and that kind of thing. Okay. So let's start. Um, I'm like, I have several questions from that. <laughs> um, we met back in gosh, 2014 or so. Um, and you were my first experience with what was then Reiki. And over, I would say, only three or four years, maybe, I did all four attunements with you, became a Reiki master, learned about energy healing. We dove into all of it. Crystals, you introduced me to moon ceremonies. Um, and now your work has uh, changed and shifted. So what... What, how did your work evolve from what it was then until what, until what it is now? Um, yeah. Wait, did we, did you ever come into Namaste? No. Was that yeah. your focus video? Yeah. No, we met, when we met, I did my first Reiki session with you. You were in, I think, Carol Gardens area and you had a little room in your apartment that you were offering and that's where I did my Reiki level one and two with you and was I did I already have Munai yeah she was like one and a half or something okay yeah so yeah 2014 for some reason I I feel like it was longer but that's probably just like a soul connection <laughs> um so so I've always been like a very mystical person. I've always seen auras around people and I've always seen really a lot about people when I first meet them to the point where it's like hard to 
to keep in what I see about people. So I needed to have some kind of outlet where I could see something about people and then um, help them basically, right? So when I started off on my spiritual path, I was like really deep dove on it. I was 17 and there was no university or anything like that for what I wanted to do and learn. And so instead I focused a lot on healing myself because I come from a very tumultuous background. So I got really into Zen meditation. I became a vegetarian because I, I, I that was like a heart calling. Um, and I started practicing yoga and I started uh, receiving Reiki. And I began even back then doing what is now called medicine readings, but it was more just telling people a little bit about what I saw about them. I didn't tell anybody I was seeing their aura or anything like that. I was just kind of like giving them, I guess, like a spiritual counseling kind of thing, right? And then I pursued yoga and Reiki very deeply. I did a year-long yoga teacher training, and then I started teaching yoga and I did Reiki trainings. Um, and along with Reiki, there was sound healing and crystal healing going back and forth to Thailand. And by the time I was 24, I had already developed quite a big following enough to the point to open up my own yoga studio and healing center in Williamsburg, which I had for five years where I had like, 30 employees and you know the the whole upstairs was yoga the whole downstairs was um like a like a little healing center there was a sauna there that's where all the moon ceremonies were and there was like a backyard and I built a fire pit probably totally illegally in the backyard <laughs> anyways um 2012 rolls around and I had been going strong like that for 11 years, like nonstop. And, you know, with having all these employees, I was building up 30 different people's careers, you know. Mm -hmm. And my role within it was being the business owner, managing the studio, teaching yoga, teaching yoga teacher trainings, um, teaching Reiki, Reiki trainings, leading all the moon ceremonies, doing the one-on-one -on -one work that back then was Reiki plus spiritual counseling, which is now called medicine readings, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, I was also at the same time going back and forth to Peru and I was doing an apprenticeship down there in vegetalismo uh, healing where you learn how to sing to the plants. It's part of the mestizo lineage, which just means like mixed, mixed, mixed culture, basically. And I, I had all of these different pathways that I deeply loved and respected, yoga and Reiki and Amazonian shamanism, but none of it really felt like it was fully me or fully mine. And I think actually right around the time where I met you is where I, when I got my um, initiation into Amazonian shamanism, where it's like, okay, you're now a shaman and you can now lead your own ayahuasca ceremonies. And it was like, right when I got that initiation, I felt like this is not actually what I want to be doing at all, you know? Um, and I think it was like my own inner voice and also the voice of ayahuasca too, which was like, don't give people something from outside of themselves to heal mm. and don't use something outside of your own self to facilitate healing. So I really had to go through this like moment of clarity of what is actually me and what is actually mine. And while I deeply love and respect these different cultures and lineages, 
they are not me and they are not mine. And, you know, especially with um, Amazonian shamanism, it's like when I first started getting into it, that like nobody really knew about it. And you fast forward eight years later and it's like very cool. And it's, and, and, and people go and do one ayahuasca ceremony and then decide that they're a shaman and, you know, they go to Iquitos, they buy some ayahuasca and, you know, get a flute and that's it, you know? <laughs> and so, and I knew that like, just based on what I look like and being like a white American young woman, people would never assume that I had spent eight years doing deep, deep work there. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that people follow my lead and follow my example, but I, I didn't want to set an example of like being so kind of um, shamanistic, if you, if you will. I wanted more to, to focus on like be, being a human healing, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I had to really reassess like uh, all these different ways of healing. I love, I respect so much. Probably there'll always be practices that I deeply love and respect yet. They are not me and they are not mine. So what is me and what is mine? And I had to go back to square one in the beginning. The thing that I've always done is see people's auras and see and feel a lot about people when I first meet them or when I see them basically. And so I had never up until that point told people what I'm actually doing is seeing their aura. Mm -hmm. And I started owning that I can see people's auras. Now there's big reasons I think why I didn't tell people that like probably many lifetimes spent being accused as a witch and like not wanting to go too far out with people so not wanting to be like I see your aura and having to explain all of that and everything but I decided to just start like owning it and as soon as I started doing that that's when my work really took off like yes I had been building it for a long time yes I already had a really decent following but then as soon as I started like owning that I was seeing the aura that's when it started really taking off. And so since around then, so I guess the past six years, I've been digging a lot more into what is me and what is mine mm-hmm. and letting go more and more of these external tools that I love and respect, but yet are not me. Mm-hmm. And so the beautiful thing about medicine readings is that my work evolves with me as I grow and as I change. And though I've been on this path for 20 years, I feel like I'm just at the very beginning, like very, very beginning. And so it gives me room to, to dig deeper, basically. Yeah. So the next question I actually wrote down is perfect for where you were just at. Cause I, I wanted to talk a little bit more about how you read aura colors and like I know you've said that um or at least you've said to me in the past that you've been able to do this from a young age um so are you able to see someone's aura just by looking at them do you choose whose aura you want to see and whose you don't or is it like you know can you turn it on and off um do you get a lot of information from just the color itself? Um, or did you actually study what each color means? How does that all work? Can you talk a little bit about that? Um, so it's not really something I can turn on or off. It's just kind of like the way I see, but I don't really focus in on it. Like when I'm walking down the street here in New York, I'm not like paying attention to everybody's auras because that would be so overwhelming just like when you walk down the street you're not like overly focusing on everybody's eye color right because that would be so like just intense and overwhelming it's the same thing it's just like how how I see and if if somebody asks me to really look into their aura I'll tell them 
and that's you know why I have medicine readings but other than that like even with my partner right I'm like not overly focused on the aura color unless something like drastic stands out right Mm -hmm. um when I was 12 I realized that I could see auras and other people couldn't because I was talking to my friends about the colors around people and they were like, what are you talking about? And so I went to the school library because back then we used to go to libraries and read books. (laughs) (laughs) And I read some work, but uh, I got like, I saw William Blake's art. I was like, okay, he's painting auras. This guy knew what auras were. Um, I read some stuff from the Theosophy Society and they get into different aura colors and what they mean. The thing is that I noticed that if you overly focus on the aura, the the meaning of the aura color, you can assume things about people. Mm. And I didn't want to be in that place of assumption. So I kind of like picked it up and put it down right away. And I, I, because of that, I was able to see more like the subtleties in people's aura colors. And like, for example, like a a bright light yellow is happiness and intelligence versus like a yellow ochre is like addiction and obsession, you know? So I started to be able to see more of the subtleties. And I do focus a lot on the color and what it means to me. And like the base color and people and then the other colors surrounding them. So do you generally see people having the same color, like base color all the time? Like for me, you know me, you've worked deeply with me. You're looking at me now. Like, do I, do I have the same base color as I did six years ago? Like, does that stay with you all the time? Usually, but it changes on what you're going through, you know? So you have one base color and then like other colors around you too. Yeah. Yeah. Or you could have two base colors, like you would be yellow and blue, but like they meet together in green, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Just like they do at the heart. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. So what would you say now? Well, actually, let's dial back for a second. I'm going to ask about something that you've been teaching recently. Um, Since, um, well, I don't know. I noticed it probably in the last year. You started um, offering workshops on the liver cleanse. um, And I took it back in... I think it was May, April, in right like right around COVID starting, um, and I had a really amazing experience with the twenty-one day cleanse. Um, it was based off of some Ayurvedic principles, things that I've learned in yoga, um, but you also added in like your own stuff. Um, what is, why did you feel called to teach the liver cleanse right now? Um, yeah. Can you just tell the listeners a little bit about it and why yeah. it's significant? Um, I, I was having a really interesting moment of downloads, um, around COVID where the first download was all about like the ego. This was before COVID started. It was all about like the ego basically. Right. And then the next was de-manifestation. And there, to me, there's like this deep link between working on our ego, working with de-manifestation and doing a liver cleanse. So that's why like when I say like, when, you know, I, I, in the liver cleanse workshop, I'm like, read what I wrote about ego. It's on the website. Read what I wrote about demanifestation and now do the liver cleanse from there because I feel like there's such a strong link between our liver and our ego. And it's highly likely that there's um, 
a lot of me and mine and I and me happening in the world and the fear that can come from feeling like you're the only one who matters and all of that just sort of sitting in the liver. And so I feel like if we can, when, when we look at healing, we always have to look at healing from a place of like totality. So the healing work I, I do on myself, I do in the world. And when we want to heal essentially like the gratitude crisis, we need to heal the selfishness crisis. So we need to heal, uh, take a good look at our ego basically. And then demanifestation is important because while I don't have anything against manifestation, it's, it's all good. It's all good. Like dream that dream. You know what I mean? It's all good. But I do think we have the gratitude crisis of not being able to be happy with who we are and what we have, you know, mm-hmm. and we're, we're trained to always be like, what's next? Like, you know, oftentimes in interviews, it's, I, I get asked a lot, like what's next for mama medicine. And it's like, well, there's a lot in the now, you yeah. know, there's so much in the now. So it's demanifestation is more of a refocusing on the present and, and coming into the now. And when we come into the now, we are, we're outside of that fear and anxiety of the future. And we're no longer carrying around the heaviness of the past. We're just in the moment. And from that place, we can heal our livers. Now also there's, a big thing within that fear that is carried within the liver. And I know, I know that Chinese medicine um, speaks of anger being carried in the liver, but I I feel personally that the the core of anger is always fear. Mm -hmm. And when we're, when we're living on fear, we have to understand like fear is addictive, you know, and, so our ego activates our addictive tendencies. So if you're not addicted to a substance, you're going to be addicted to like watching violence on TV or addicted to like fear in all forms itself. And so the biggest thing with the liver cleanse is working with gentle energy and not consuming fear and, and being more in the moment and grateful for who you are and what you have versus like always having to fix and change yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was a huge part of my experience um, is this sense of autonomy and really being able to strengthen my will and see a lot of shame um and ways that I was shape-shifting trying to um maybe control a lot of other people's perceptions of me or even my own expectations instead of having this like uh deeper sense of self-trust and autonomy so yeah it felt really beautiful that transformation um, it was also really energetically heavy, <laughs> yeah. a lot to clear, um, but it felt really good at the end. So can we talk for a moment just about like, cause the liver cleanse is, is a lot of things, but primarily it's food. Um, and food is a tricky thing, right? Mm-hmm. To talk about nowadays because there's so much associated with like diet culture and how damaging that can be. So, um, yeah. How did, how do you kind of navigate around that? Yeah. I mean, like for me, I, with my work, I really try to stay away from dogma, which is why, for example, I moved away from, um, yoga and Reiki a bit because there can be like a lot of dogma in it, even without intending for there to be. Uh, so 
I was like, shoot, I have to share this liver cleanse because it's just like spirit is telling me to do it. Um, but I, I have to share the food part of it, but I don't want to be dogmatic about it. So it's very complicated, right? Because like, for example, I've been a vegetarian since I've been 17, but like the only the people who really know me know that I'm a vegetarian. Like I, I don't, I don't talk about it. If I'm at lunch with a friend and they order meat, I say nothing. I don't say, excuse myself for being a vegetarian. I just order what I want. You know what I mean? It's just like, it's a way of life versus something to prove, right? So with introducing the dietary aspect of the liver cleanse, I was like, okay, how can I, how can I introduce this, this in a non-dogmatic way? And one is that it goes back to, if you can't find the herbs, no big deal. If you can't do some of the dietary stuff, no big deal. What matters is that you're working with gentle energy. Now, if you're eating meat and you're doing a liver cleanse, you're not really doing a liver cleanse because you're consuming fear. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're drinking alcohol, you're not really doing a liver cleanse because it's extremely damaging on the liver. So there's certain things where it's like, let's just be real about this. Um, These are the things that if you're doing them, you're, you're not, I got a dog sneezing. (laughs) I was wondering what that was. He woke up and just started sneezing. Bless you. (laughs) Um. So the, the way the liver cleanse works is like, here's the suggestions, stick with it as much as you can. If you mess up, just like get right back on track and keep going. And the key thing is like that you continue to work with gentle energy as you go through it. Yeah. I mean, I think there was a point about halfway through my cleanse where I was feeling really, it was getting really intense and I had to have like a little bit of fish one day and just yeah. like move on from there. But I still yeah. stuck with it for the remaining two weeks and just like was gentle about what I needed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just mentioned that because it can be hard. And then, you know, going back into a regular lifestyle, getting this idea of like, oh no, I shouldn't be eating these things because they could be damaging or, you know, so we really have to like, or for me anyway, I really had to be like, okay, I did this thing. It was amazing. I'm going to leave it behind me. Right. Life. But it did help me make better choices going forward because eliminating everything, then you feel so clear And then as you add things slowly back in, you get to see how your body reacts to them. Yeah. Like with more clarity. Yeah. Um, You kind of touched on this when you started talking about the liver cleanse, but I wanted to ask like um, some of the main lessons that you feel have been coming through for us as a collective in 2020. I know you said demanifestation was one of them. Gratitude. Anything else feel really poignant? Um, well, I think it's a little bit intense, but also important to look at that. I really feel that the energy of COVID in general is abuse and we need to really like look at it. Um, I think we have been turning a blind eye to abuse, be it like abuse of power or like abuse of the earth and her creatures or each other. But basically um, I kind of feel like it's, it's sort of like spirit is like sit in the corner and look at what you've done. (laughs) Stare at all your shadow right now. Yeah. And so I think like if, you know, in terms of being our own healers, if we look at like, uh, and honestly, look at the ways that we've been abusive towards ourselves or towards the earth or towards each other, then we can help to really be present with healing collective abuse, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So 2020 for me, even though it's been really difficult, um, has felt like one of the most 
transformational and like healing energies and times. There's been like a lot of silver linings. I feel like I've healed so much in my relationship, um, come together with my family and just like created super strong bonds. Um, and I feel in many ways more stable than I ever have, um, (laughs) here at the end of 2020, uh, which I think is important to note just because <laughs> there's so much chaos around us. Yeah. But, like, but there is also this opportunity to, um, like you said, sit in the corner and look at your shadow and do something yeah. about it. Um, have you seen any like beautiful silver linings personally or collectively in your readings? Um, well, collectively, right in the beginning, I... I started feeling that the environment that like, cause I'm here in New York city, you know, the environment kind of cleaning out, which is nice. And like a hawk flying above me and things like that, which was really, and like seeing, I've never, I've lived in New York for 20 years. I've never seen the stars at night. And now I can almost always see the stars unless it's just simply clouds. Wow. It's pretty cool. Um, so things like that, I've been paying attention to, um, then on a personal level, it's been really nice to be home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I, I was traveling at, on a plane at least once a month for years before COVID hit. And then and and it still it still doesn't quite feel like the time for me to travel again yet. And I know I will travel again one day, but for now, like being home, being in my city, in the part of my city that has just this is like the one the one place in the world that has really truly felt like home for me. You know, it's where like my great grandparents landed you know, Ellis Island, like the, you know, I, when I was living in Park Slope where we met, I was living like a couple streets away from where my great grandmother grew up. Like the New York, New York has been home for me so much. And yet I haven't actually really like settled into being here. So being home, being in New York, being in this like flow and steady rhythm with my family has been really sweet. Um, Also, like you heard her sneezing, but Mm -hmm. being able to just do my work sitting next to my familiar, Mm -hmm. you know, and just like puppy cuddles, like, well, I'm working. I couldn't think of anything better than that. That's like the best thing ever. (laughs) yeah I feel like so many it's well not everyone but for so many it's been so nice to kind of like return to a home energy for me it was like being able to have a garden and like actually have time to go out and like take care of it every day and like have that be the main thing about my day for a while just doing that Uh, Okay. I, so I usually ask people either like, um, if this is tarot talk. So if there was a tarot card that you could pick for yourself right now, or maybe just like a main energetic theme that you feel like you're in, like, what would it be? Oh, that's so interesting. Cause like immediately when you say that, like the first thing that like pops up is the magician. Ooh. Yeah. That. Yeah. So just like you gathering up all your tools and getting ready to yeah. take action and make magic. Make magic. And, you know, that, that feeling of like alchemy, I, I think we've been like alchemizing a lot this year. So yeah, making, making some magic basically and, and taking, taking things that seem really hard and really challenging and, and alchemizing them 
into like, course life is not always meant to be good. It's not always meant to be bad, but there's like medicine and everything. So like creating the medicine. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Magic is either everything or nothing. It's one of my favorite cards um, in an Oracle deck that I use. Um, you mentioned earlier your book, Ritual Baths. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk a little bit about it and how that came to be? You mentioned that in the Amazon, you did a lot of work with plants. And um, where did this idea of um, of ritual baths come from? And um, I know from working with you for many years, like you were always prescribing these baths to me. Yeah. Um, and it's become a huge part of my personal practice as well. So um, can you speak a little bit on that and tell the listeners about your book? Yeah, you know, I don't know if it's like because of being a Scorpio and a Cancer moon or something like that, but I, I just, I've never found anything more healing than water and like submerging in water. And I was raised really strict evangelical Baptist, um, Northern Baptist too. Uh, and in that religion, you, you don't get baptized till you're like in your thirties and you have sins to wash away. Kind of, there isn't like a christening when you're born or something like that. But when I was eight, I saw a baptism happen and I became obsessed and I am like, an extremely persistent person always have been always will be (laughs) probably so after I saw the baptism I went to my pastor and I was like I need to be baptized I have sins I have to wash away I need to be baptized and he was like no you're too young like you don't have (laughs) sins that need to be washed away and I was like no no I I really do and I really need to be baptized now Also, I'll explain, just so you can understand, like, the persistence, like, every Sunday in my church, my pastor would be like, raise your hand if you want to be saved today, because in that that religion, like, you get, you ask Jesus to come into your heart and, and save you, right? Every single Sunday, but you only do it once in that religion, you get saved one time, right? Every single Sunday when he would ask if you wanted to be saved, I would raise my hand. <laughs> I needed to be saved. I needed to have it. You know what I mean? It was like a real, it was a real thing. He, he really, um, as intense as the, the, that religion was, and he was very indoctrinated in it, he really had so much patience with me, you know? <laughs> Um, Did he so, save you every Sunday? Every Sunday. <laughs> Along with it? <laughs> oh my God. Every Sunday. So um, we went to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday nights. So we spent a lot of time of the week in church every time he was there. And after I saw the baptism, every single time I'd be like, I need to be baptized. I need to be baptized. My My parents were like, Debbie, stop asking him to baptize you. You can be baptized when you're older. I was like, no, I need to be baptized now. Finally, after a couple months of that, they were like, okay, fine. Like, just go, like, be baptized, you know? So I was wearing this, like, adult baptism robe. And I had this whole speech prepared before my baptism. And and, and the, the baptism was, like, so powerful for me. It was such a powerful, powerful experience. Um, and a month later that I went to a doctor's appointment and they found this tumor that was crushing my ovary and fallopian tube. So I think my intuition was like, I need to find healing oh. and healing. Cause then a month later I ended up spending a month in the hospital. So I, I've always been drawn to water like that, like very intensely. Right. And then when I was, on my first dieta within training with ayahuasca, I was having this horrid experience where, you know, I had been doing a lot of spiritual work for like seven years at that point. And I thought I would go on this dieta and just be like, fine. And I went and it was like, 
all of the bats flying out of the closet, basically. And I, yeah, I I just, I felt wretched, really wretched. Mm -hmm. And my teacher, and this for days and days, and my teacher took me to a waterfall and he had me cover myself in clay, let the clay dry, go stand under the waterfall. Then he had me cover myself in honey and then go stand under the waterfall. And then he had me come over and stand by him. And he started pouring this water with all these herbs that he had been singing to over me. And since my baptism, that, that was then the most powerful healing experience I've ever had in my life. So there were these two like really profound, deeply, deeply healing experiences that were all about baths and water. And that's when I started kind of looking into how beautiful it is, how all these different cultures use water for, for healing and cleansing of the spirit. And I really like, I think because of my time in the Amazon and just seeing the popularity grow around ayahuasca, I really became quite sensitive to cultural appropriation and the harm that it can cause. Um, And it's, for me, it's not about like shaming people or, or telling people what to do, but it is a really big reason why I pulled away from a lot of these cultures that are not me and not mine. Yet at the same time, I really am like a firm believer in cultural appreciation and that we have like so much to learn from each other. And I really choose to focus on the things that keep us, the things that like unite us and connect us rather than what divides us. And I have found that in so many different cultures, almost every culture, every spiritual line within a culture there's always water and turning to water for healing and if you think about it like all of life is connected to water you know um and so right in when i'm thinking about being your own healer writing a book about ritual baths and turning to water to heal yourself felt like a very natural sharing and just this hope that it goes to really good places within people because I think that there's this deep familiarity in the idea of turning towards water for healing Mm. yeah so how do we use the ritual bath book like if you don't if you've never had a medicine reading and you don't know what color your aura is like how do you uh, pick it up and decide which bath to use Well, you can use it as a divinatory tool. Just close your eyes and like open up to whatever page and that's the bath you're meant to take. That's my favorite way. Yeah. Also an aura quiz in the back of the book and you can take the aura quiz and then you can flip to that section and take that bath. Awesome. And you can get your bath, your ritual bath book on Amazon, all the places, right? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, okay. Before we end, can you tell the listeners just like how to find you, where you're at, um, a little bit about space and how it's recently transitioned to an online community? Yeah. Um, so you can find me, you can follow me on Instagram at mama medicine and you can follow space on Instagram at space by mama medicine um, visit my website, mamamedicine.com to book a medicine reading or read some of the things that I've written in the past, or you can buy the book there and you can join space there. And in space, you will be joining hundreds of people from all over the world, um, where we do six live events per month that, I lead or set up and there's one where it's a sharing circle, another where it's an ask mama where you can ask me questions and maybe do like a mini medicine reading um, in public. (laughs) And then um, there's 
a medicine reading ceremony. There's a full moon song circle. Then there's ongoing offerings like aura medicine where you determine your aura color and you have a whole 21 day cleanse process for your aura, which is really subtle work, but it can be very profound and powerful. A self-led silent meditation retreat, the liver cleanse is there. Um, and it's all, all of that. And it's $33 a month. My, my, to work with me one-on-one is quite pricey and that's on purpose because I want people to like, take it really seriously when they come to work with me, but space I feel is a way to make my work more accessible for like the larger public. And if you can't do the monthly price, then there's always a scholarship you could apply for. So it's really, um, it's really about like creating a community that holds you while you can develop yourself spiritually. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Deborah, for sitting with me today and sharing your medicine with the listeners. Um, if you're listening, stay tuned for a new moon forecast coming up in a moment. Thank you, Deborah. Thank you. Okay, everyone, welcome to the second portion of the show. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Deborah. She is one of my mentors, and it was just so sweet to have her on and share her wisdom and get a little peek into um, a lot of where my background comes from in learning energy healing. Okay, so before I jump right into the tarot forecast, going to cover um, just some of the things that are happening and have just happened. So I'm recording this on Venus Day, Friday the 13th, which um, has gotten a bad rap from patriarchal culture, but this used to be a very revered day of celebrating goddess energy, celebrating uh, the energy of Venus, Venus rules Friday in general, Um, and so it's a really beautiful day. Um, to celebrate beauty. So we can bring that into the weekend and into this new moon coming up in Scorpio. So we also have today Mars moving direct. Mars has been retrograde for the last six months, it's a really long retrograde for this planet. And the last two months have been in Aries. And so we are finally going to see some movement coming. Mars is the planet of action, of fighting, of fucking, right? And so Mars is really brings a lot of passion and energy. And so um, you might feel an actual burst of energy in the next few days or weeks. Um, it, it is going to take a while, probably until I think the end of the year before it moves out of the retrograde shadow because it was retrograde for so long. However, we will start to feel these effects coming maybe a little subtly at first, depending on where Mars is in your chart. Mine is in Aries. So I've been feeling this a lot and, um, yeah, things will start to move forward. You may start to feel again, some more energy, some more vitality, some more passion, some new ideas, or just feeling ready to take action on things that just felt stagnant for so long. Hopefully this will not also be like an uptick in cases in COVID, but, um, we'll just have to see about that. Um, hopefully everyone please do continue to stay safe. Even if you do feel more energized, um, stay home, (laughs) go on zoom, wear your masks. It's crazy out there right now. It's going to be a dark winter if we don't keep doing what we know we are supposed to be doing. Okay. Um, you know, politically we've had a lot of energy moving. And, um, the 12th, just a few days ago was the Pluto, the last, I'm sorry, the last Jupiter 
Pluto conjunction in Capricorn. So this transit is something that happens now three times throughout the year 2020. It's one of the the defining transits that made 2020 uh, what it is. And I'm not going to speak too much about it, but just that that cycle has been complete. Um, and we may start to feel a shift in energy from that as well. So a lot of things are moving and changing. Um, you know, will they lighten up? I don't know. We just have to see there is still, a, you know, these transits bring a big energy of tra- of change and transformation, especially in Capricorn, because it's going to be related to the structures that we see, the structures that have been upheld in our society. And so um, the upheaval of that is still continuing to play out. And I think still will continue to play out throughout 2021 in different ways, but we see Pluto moving into Aquarius soon and Aquarius is a very different energy than Capricorn. So what we will look at with Aquarius is more of advances in technology, looking at society as a whole, and hopefully, you know, more unity and uh, more collective Um, consciousness coming together for the sake of everyone and finding solutions to um, problems that need to be solved. Okay. And what this last two weeks since the full moon has really felt like to me anyway, is just a huge release and shedding so many upgrades taking place now, but before we really finish the upgrade, we've got to keep shedding and releasing these old outdated paradigms, right? And so throughout this waning moon, since two weeks ago, the full moon, I know I have been just shedding, having to really revisit some old wounds as they are released, having memories come up, um, and sometimes not even memories, but just old feelings in the body um, as these things move through, kind of this old trauma, old wounds being uh exposed again in order to be really seen and released. That's what shadow work is. And that's what shadow work does for us, right? It allows us to illuminate these things that we've had in the dark for some time. And although it may be painful to look at and hold, what it offers us is the opportunity to change and shift because once we see it, we can't unsee it, you know? And once we know it and we have an awareness of it and we can hold it with compassion, then there's no, there's no reason anymore to keep it in the dark. There's no reason to hold on to it, to hide it, to push it down. We can let it come up. We can give it space and then we can let it go. Okay, so I know all of you have been doing deep and transformational work as well. I'm here in the trenches with you. I I see you there and I feel it. I feel the shifts happening now in the collective. And even though what we're seeing on our phones and our TV screens is still a lot, a lot of disinformation, a lot of lies, a lot of just divide, um, we've got to look, you know, we've got to look, I mean, I'm not saying look at it all day cause that's just not healthy, but we've got to see it, you know, just like the work that we're doing within ourselves. If we don't look at it, we cannot change it. If we don't embrace it and give it space and compassion, then we cannot change it. So let's not be mad at it as hard. I know how hard this is, but let's try to bring compassion to it because the more we look with courage and compassion, the more capacity there is for change. So just a few thoughts uh, before we begin. Also, um, if you want to join me in ceremony and talk a little more deeply about these transits and the energy of the new moon in Scorpio, I'm having a ceremony uh, Sunday evening at 6 p.m. Central Time. It's via Zoom. You can join anywhere in the world. We will share our intentions. I'll talk about these transits and um You'll receive tarot and Reiki, distance Reiki healing from me. It's a really beautiful way to uh, just honor the 
the transits that are happening now and what's going on in the planets and, and on the earth and, and internally within us, because of course, as above, so below. So, uh, the info to sign up for that is on my website. And I also have, um, the year ahead spreads for 2021, Um, I have a few of those left. So if that's something that you're interested in, it's a 13 card spread. I do one card for your year and then, um, a card for each month. I dive deeply into the energy of that month. Sometimes I use two or three decks. Um, and as I channel the energy for that month, I give you some guidance, some practical tools and some suggested rituals to do in order to work with the energy of that month. So it's a beautiful reading that you can come back to over and over again throughout the year. Um, and you know, just give you a little bit of guidance and hopefully support through throughout your year. So again, info for that is on my website. You can go in my shop. These are limited. They do take quite a bit of time because I type them all out. Um, So if you want one of those, go ahead and grab it now um, before they sell out. They're limited in number. Okay, so let's jump right in. Thanks for hanging in there with me. Let's jump right into the forecast for this new moon in Scorpio. So, you know, again, it's really interesting because we've been in Scorpio season now and we're almost at the end. So we're having this new moon, you know, just about a week before Scorpio season is finished. So I feel like we've already been steeped in this energy of Scorpio, which is mystery and dark and death and taboo and sex. And, you know, Scorpio is ruled by Mars and Mars was, you know, retrograde for most of Scorpio season. So now seeing Mars move direct in Scorpio, we may start to really get into these energies even more deeply. And Scorpio loves looking at shadow, right? Scorpio loves looking at things that other people don't want to look at. Scorpios want to go straight down into the dark and they want to bring everybody with them, right? So I love this energy and it feels like Scorpio has really assisted us. Scorpio season has assisted us since this full moon in Taurus in, like I said earlier, releasing a lot and asking us to look at shadow. And since Scorpio rules death and rebirth. This new moon feels like this opportunity for rebirth, right? And so the energy that I pulled for this is the sun, which is such a bright light, right? It is the light that illuminates the shadow. And so I really love this energy for us. And the liminal space card I pulled is, it's called, is it true? There is no other. And I feel like that is a question we have been asking ourselves this year. Is it true that there is no other way, right? Or are we still waiting to go back to what was normal? There is no normal. There is a new normal now. What we have been accustomed to is not normal. And this is why we need the sun to illuminate all of these abnormalities, both collectively and personally. This year has really brought me really in touch with parts of myself that I had never witnessed before. The way that I relate to myself, the way that I relate to the people around me, the way that I relate to work, the way that I relate in general has been in question in my mind. And I've been asking myself, is it true? There is no other way to do this? Um, And that shift from a kind of codependent way of looking at things into a more interdependent way. And I do believe that this whole year has been teaching us to go inward and find more intuition, more autonomy, more will, more self-trust. And of course, more compassion. But the sun is bringing us optimism, hope, joy, and clarity. Okay? And so I really love that as a theme for this new moon in Scorpio. Now, the next set of cards that I pulled is for what we are letting go of, what we are releasing, or what we're just leaving behind, right? The lessons that we're leaving behind. And I pulled two cards about 
teamwork. I pulled the three of pentacles with interdependence, right? So this is where I'm saying from codependency into interdependency. And that is part of a huge lesson that we've been learning over these past few months, maybe even the whole year is what is, you know, not everything is for us, But what is for us will not miss us, I believe is what they say in the guidebook for this deck, right? And the the interdependence is the relationship of balance between give and receive. It is finding freedom within union, right? And so if we don't need to externally source our needs and we can fulfill our own needs, but then we can join others without expectation, then that is a beautiful relationship, right? Now, codependency is like, I need you. I don't feel well. Uh, Maybe, you know, not physically, but emotionally. And I need you to fix it, right? It's when we expect something from others in order to be okay. And, you know, you can have a codependent relationship with another person, but you can have a codependent relationship with anything in your life. I don't feel well. So I'm going to look at my phone to distract myself from this. I don't feel well. So I'm going to drink some wine, whatever the fuck it is. We can be codependent with anything, right? And so a big lesson for us this year has been to learn a different way to relate to each other and to relate to ourselves. First, the first relationship we've got to shore up is the one with ourselves, right? And that comes by learning these lessons of like creating healthy boundaries, And saying, "Mm, that's not for me. And then allowing space for what is for you to come in. Okay. So do I think, and so this kind of threw me as like what we're releasing. Cause I'm like, shit, I don't feel like we as a collective <laughs> really have learned this lesson this year. If I'm looking out at, you know, the whole world. Um, but you know, this podcast is not for the whole world. It's for you. It's for you who are listening right now. And what this tells me is like, you have been doing this work and you have been learning this and you are listening to this now. And this is a lesson that we are going to move on from because it's been learned because we're doing our work because we're showing the fuck up. Okay. And now the next card that I pulled is what we are stepping into, what we are bringing in. And I'm pulling another gorgeous energy, the 10 of cups, the peak, the pinnacle of the cup suit and abundance of water and a balance. Again, like I said, between give and receive 10 of cups is about community. It is about an abundance of love and feeling nurtured and nourished and supported in many different ways, right? By our friends, by our family, by our lovers, by our community, um, by our money, whatever it is that holds you and nourishes you and makes you feel safe. This is a fertile energy. It is a great energy for bringing in abundance, for birthing new ideas into the world. Okay. So this is beautiful. And what I'm pulling it with is snake medicine. So mm, here we go. Snake medicine is a little harsh, right? But it's when we ingest the poison to evolve from the toxic, toxic ecosystem that we've been involved in. And so, yes, this is so much of what this year has been about. And perhaps the snake medicine has allowed us to transform and to transmute and to shed our skin and to be rebirthed anew, which is so much of what I feel like this Scorpio new moon is about. A really beautiful rebirthing process after spending so much time and energy working on our shadows, doing so much deep self-reflection, and really taking the time to go inward and find some, some self-trust and some comfort in this chaos. All right, you guys. So I'm really, really proud of all of us for doing this work because even though there has been so much chaos around us in, especially in these last few months and, you know, these last two weeks for me, 
personally have been some of the hardest of this whole year in what I've been, the shadow that I've been confronting and I've been dealing with some old um, wounds coming up, causing some anxiety and some even panic attacks. So, you know, I, I know how intense this can be to do this work. Um, but yet I continue to pull cards and see the beauty uh, coming through. And so uh, I honor that in you and all that you've been doing because I know that if I'm seeing these cards um, and you're listening to this podcast and this is for you, that you're doing that deep work too. So I just want you to take a moment and really witness yourself in that and really um, just congratulate yourself in that and be proud of yourself for that because this has been an intense year and you really deserve uh, to feel and recognize how strong you are, how resilient you are, how courageous you are, and how beautiful the work that you've done this year is. So Thank you. Thank you so much for doing it because you truly are making such a huge difference in the world. So, um, yeah, I'm so happy to see these cards for us. I'm wishing you new moon blessings and hopefully I'll get to see you soon in ceremony or reach out to me on the gram. Let me know if this podcast resonated with you as always. Thanks so much for listening. I'll talk to you soon. Take care. I'm not going to